Heavenly Father, I pray that that would be our ultimate desire, Father, that we would be more like your dear Son every moment of every day. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we failed Thee. And Lord, uh, we know, uh, Father, that when we come and confess, Father, You forgive and restore. And we thank You, Lord, that no matter what, we are called Your children forevermore. Thank You for loving us so much. Father, we pray for those who are sick and afflicted and those who are dealing with various health issues. We pray for them now. Those who've lost loved ones, comfort them tonight, Lord. And we just uh, pray that you would have your way, Father, and we ask that thy will would be done in each and every life. And now speak to our hearts once again through thy living word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me, would you turn to the Old Testament book of Ezra? Ezra, we're beginning a new, a new, new series here in this wonderful book of Ezra. And I can't remember the last time I ever preached Ezra through this, but the Lord laid it upon my heart. And as I went through it again, there is so much truth here that is, uh, can be applied practically to our lives. You know, it, it gives us an historical account of what God was doing as he was beginning to bring uh, the exiled Israelites the Jews, back into the land. And through all that experience, we are going to find things that uh, really relate to us and, and our fit walk of faith with the Lord. Now, just a little background about uh, the book here. Ezra wrote this book. Uh, Ezra was part of the captivity. He was taken off uh, uh, to Babylon, and he was a high priest, he was also a scribe, and he was a teacher. And God is going to use him on um, the second return of Israel, which comes later in the book of, of Ezra that we are going to arrive at. But for the first six chapters of this book, Ezra is not mentioned because he's not part of this yet. Uh, so he wrote the book, but it, it, uh, any information about him we don't find until chapter 7. Okay, so, but this book, again, as I mentioned, concerns the return and the first six chapters, the first return of the exiles to, uh, to Israel. Now, uh, so this, this first part emphasizes the rebuilding of the temple. Now, if we were to go to the book of Nehemiah, that focuses upon the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem. But we are going to look at the rebuilding of the, uh, of the temple, and as God is going to bring his people 
back into the land after 70 years of captivity. But God said that he was going to bring them back. In fact, before we begin here in chapter 1, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 25. So we'll go over to Jeremiah 25 verse 11. Jeremiah 25, 11. And this whole land, and now again, uh, God continues to talk to people. <laughs> I'm sorry. With the loss of my voice, I've had a cough for two, almost two months as well. So forgive me. Um, but here is... Uh, God was warning Israel, Judah, saying, judgment is coming if you don't repent of your sin. So here, uh, he had talked about it, and it was, was going to be fulfilled. But then verse 12, then it will be when 70 years are completed. I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation declares the Lord. For their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and I will make it an everlasting desolation. I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied against the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves of them even them, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the work of their hands. So what is God saying here through Jeremiah? First of all, he's, he's saying you will be exiled to Babylon, but there will come a point in time where God is going to intervene again after 70 years And he is uh, going to bring judgment upon the people who took them into exile and conquered the land. And that would be the Babylonians, which would then be Persia, because Persia would overtake uh, Babylon, and then we would have the Medo-Persian Empire. But think of this for a second. It's hard to wrap our minds around this idea. We, and we're, what we're going to see throughout the, this whole book, um, the over, uh, uh, the over, uh, over the top umbrella of it all is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. And I th- think when, when I think that God said, I am going to use a heathen nation to discipline my people. That he chose Babylon, the wicked Babylon, the pagan nation, that he would use them to carry his people away. And so God would use an evil nation to, to take his people into exile for the purpose, again, of God judging his, his people But then God's going to show mercy later. But then later, God is going to judge the very people that he pulled 
to come that God had planned to use to take his, his people out of the land and put them into another country. So when you consider the, the sovereignty of God, is God in control of all the nations or just America or just Israel? No, of course not. Yes, this is, this is the prince of the power of the heirs world. Yes, Satan uh, leads many of the nations here on earth with his, his wicked uh, dark forces and, and is behind many of the leaders. But ultimately to remember overall that God is in control of everything. God is in control of his universe, his world, and both the saved and the unsaved. And he will use each one ultimately for his glory and for his will to be accomplished. So I just wanted you to understand this when we are considering now that God uh, will one day here, and it happens later, that uh, Babylon, of course, is judged, and then Persia is judged as well. So, but let's go back to Ezra now. And let's look at the first verse here. <clears throat> verse 1 and 2. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up, and by the way, that that word from the Jeremiah, uh, we, just, we just read. That by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And then verse 3. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And every survivor, at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle together with a free will offering for the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. This, the, this um, amazing uh, prophecy is absolutely incredible. Uh, Cyrus uh, was the founder of the uh, Persian Empire by defeating the Median Empire. He was then king over Persia and, and Media, and he also, uh, of course, uh, 
the, they conquered Babylon, and so now Persia was this great empire when here King Cyrus was ruler over the land, and he ruled from 559 to 530 B.C. Uh, he was called, his, uh, they named him Cyrus the Great in history because of uh, the, his greatness. And again, we're, we see that God uses the, the, the unsaved for his purposes. Now, what, what suddenly grips you when you read this, first of all, verse 1, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Notice it doesn't say Satan, because we always like to attribute everything to Satan. Yes, he's, Satan's behind it, uh, things as well. But in, here, in this case, God says, I'm stirring up the heart of Cyrus, and he is going to make a decree for my people, finally, after 70 years, to go back to the land and rebuild my house. My house. <laughs> now, we wonder, how can Cyrus know um, that he was the one that the God, the Lord of heaven, he, he, this is what he says in verse 2, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, so he gives the God of Israel credit. <coughs> he gives him credit for giving him all the kingdoms of the earth, making him the greatest king on earth at this time. But notice he says, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem. How did he know that the God of Israel appointed him? Well, good Bible scholars and teachers, um, they, as, as they, they, they look over, uh, you know, the, the time that this was happening, Daniel was very influential, as we know, in the kingdom of Babylon and Persia. And many good scholars believe that perhaps, we can't be absolutely certain, but perhaps Daniel was, would share prophecies with uh, King Cyrus. Because the, from, we know from history and archaeology that the kings of Persia were greatly interested in prophecies. Whatever, whatever religion, they wanted to hear it. They wanted to in, investigate. And of course, <coughs> um, we get, we're given a beautiful picture of that uh, in the Christmas story, right? Who came from the east? Three wise men. And why were they looking for Jesus? Because of the prophecies of Scripture. So they were, many were well-versed in the prophecies of the Jewish people. And Isaiah had all, the book of Isaiah had already been written before the book of Ezra was written, okay? So uh, Daniel uh, would have had the book. I want you to turn with me to 
Isaiah 44. And this is absolutely remarkable. Isaiah 44, verse 28. Now, Isaiah wrote this, okay, before we read it. Isaiah wrote this 150 years before Cyrus was born. 150 years before Cyrus is ever born. So therefore, Cyrus, so therefore, Daniel could no doubt have brought the book of Isaiah to Cyrus. So imagine Daniel coming to Cyrus and saying, I want you to read something from the Jewish uh, prophecy, prophets, what they have written. And so you can imagine you're, the, you're King Cyrus and you read this, verse 28 of Isaiah 44. It is I who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. He will perform all my desire and he declares of Jerusalem, she will be built and the temple, your foundation will be laid. And then verse 1 of of 45. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, mentioned again, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him, to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him, so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze cut through their iron bars, and I will give you, speaking to Cyrus, all the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places in order that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have also called you by your name, and I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. Do you see that? I am the Lord, and there is no other besides me. There is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me. Can you imagine? When we read this, it makes perfect sense that no doubt somehow whether it's Daniel or someone else Cyrus was given the book of Isaiah and he read this because this is exactly what he what Cyrus writes at the beginning of Ezra in his decree saying that the Lord God the God of the of 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 heaven and earth uh, he has anointed me to do this, to rebuild, send the people back to the land. So it's pretty incredible. Can you imagine if you're King Cyrus and you read that someone wrote, put your name in a prophecy 100 years, 150 years before? What would that do to you? That would tell you that the God who wrote this must be a, or the true and the living God. Now, we know Cyrus believed in other gods, but, but he 
believed in the God of Israel. So I, I wanted us to see this because this is a great backdrop to understanding Cyrus's thought that he is understanding that he is fulfilling prophecy as he sends the exiles back into their land to rebuild the temple. So if you turn back to Ezra chapter 1 with me, we see that he makes this decree. He makes this decree and he... Uh, is calling all of the Jews, anyone who wants to, let him go back, verse 3, let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord. And notice the end of verse 3. Cyrus writes, the God of Israel, he is the God who is where? Do you see it? In Jerusalem. So, Cyrus, no doubt, believes in other gods, but here he knows that there is a God of Israel that is real and that prophesied about him. And he is, he, he is in there in, in Jerusalem. And then I love verse 4. Then he says, And every survivor at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him Anyone who goes back with silver and gold and cattle and together with a free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Well, here's a time where God is using Cyrus to call on the people of the land to give. To give to those that are going back to Jerusalem and going to rebuild the temple. So people both in exile there in Babylon who gained some wealth, had some money, whatever they had, they would give it as a free will offering for those who were getting ready to go on their missionary journey. You know, and they were so, uh, they were supported. Money was given for the building for buying the supplies when they got there and to build these things. It's, it's pretty incredible. And um, there are, when, when you think of the exile back in, uh, as, as, as many were, were taken into exile, there were some that were left in the land of Israel, some farmers and, and people who were the poor of the land the vine growers and farmers, and they were left behind to just take care of Israel. And uh, so not everybody was taken into exile. And, uh, and so the, there were some that were still back there, but under the yoke of Babylon. But here we see that God is planning to send his people back, and God is keeping his word. And what we should take from this, from uh, the beginning of this study, is that God is sovereign and he keeps his word. If there's nothing else you remember about tonight, I pray that it will be that you 
remember that God is sovereign over your life. Not just the great kingdoms of the earth, but over every individual believer. That he is the king of my life. He is the God of of not just Israel, but he's my God. And he watches over my little tiny footsteps here on this planet earth. And he's got a purpose and a plan for me and for you to accomplish his will. Though we may not know what his will is tomorrow, he will reveal what his will is for us today. And if we will only submit to his will and follow it, it is then that we will be blessed. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be healthy and wealthy and have all these things all the time. But it means that God is going to bless my, my work and bless my life because I am sold out to him in his will. And I believe that he is sovereign. Therefore, my faith is in the Lord in my life. It has to be. And dear friend, it doesn't matter what age you are at right now. It doesn't matter. God still has a plan for your life. And whatever that plan is, it involves your family. It involves your kids. It involves your grandkids. But there's something that God wants to do through you even now. Though you may be retired and you're able to attend Jonestown Bible Church, yet uh, God has a ministry for you here. And I look out and I see many of you who have been ministering here at Jonestown Bible Church. And God has used you and revealed to you his will by using you in a Sunday school class with the kids, uh, with the adults, with, with helping out with uh, filling, uh, teaching God's word here in the adult Sunday school classes or, or other things. Or I look around, I, I see our, uh, those who have been involved in our, our musicals, you know, and, and it's, look how God has used each one of you. And as I think of John, John Regal, you know, his story and you men will hear it on Saturday. But his, his life is incredible how God chose him and said, I'm going to use you, John. John had no idea that God's will, God's plan for his life, was that he would be the speaker at the Iron Man's breakfast this coming Saturday. This was planned before the foundation of the earth. And yet God chose John for that. And so what John is doing, he's fulfilling the will of God that God revealed to him. See, God got, came and got him. What I love about the way the Lord works is that he comes and gets us. If you look throughout the scripture, whether it's David, whether it's Gideon, and all these people, what do you see? You see that God chose people and says, I want him. And he would send someone to get him, an angel or a prophet or someone else, and say, I have work for you to do. And how exciting to see that throughout Scripture. You and I are no different than David or Gideon or Samson or any, any of these other, or, or any of the prophets. 
God called each one of us to serve him. So I want you to take courage and take heart, dear friend. God's not finished with you, that you have much more to do until the trumpet sounds. Let's read the end of the chapter. So then verse 5. Then the heads of the fathers, households of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites arose. Even everyone, even everyone who, whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Do you see that? He not only stirred up, God didn't only stir up the, the heart of Cyrus the king to make the decree to allow them to go back, but God stirred up each and every individual that was supposed to go back according to God's plan. And that's the same with you and me. God, at one, there's points where God will stir you up and stir my heart up to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And this is my plan I have for you. And so he stirred up the, uh, the hearts of those and some, uh, what a daunting task. Can you imagine being one of the Jews and, and you're being told, yeah, you can go back to the land, that desolate land that they left destroyed, but go back and, and you, you're allowed to rebuild the temple now. Now, that would take some courage to say, I'll go on that trip because you don't know if you're going to live through it. You don't know what's waiting ahead for you. But God made sure that the people who said, I will go, would be encouraged by the giving and the free will gift of the exiles that are staying behind, the ones that aren't going. Notice verse 6. And all those about them encourage them. There's that word encourage. I love it. And all those about them encourage them with articles of silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, with valuables, aside from all that was given a free will offering. So people are giving and giving and giving. You know, it's like when I think of, of those in our church, our young people who are, have been called to different ministries during the summer and going off to Word of Life or, or Broken Arrow Bible Ranch, and they, they feel the burden to go. How are they encouraged? They're encouraged by all of us, all those who would say, I want to back you. I wish I could go with you, but I'm going to support you. And um, I've, all, I, I've talked to these young people, and they've told me how encouraged they are by the, by the people of Jonestown Bible Church who have, have encouraged their hearts by their gifts and by their giving. And that goes for any missionaries that are out on the field that we support. But look at verse 7. Also, King Cyrus brought out the articles of the house of the Lord which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of, of, of Mithridath, the treasurer, and he counted them out to Sheshbazzar, the prince of Judah. 
Now that name, Sheshbazar here, uh, we will see later and come to understand that this most likely is referring to the man Zerubbabel. And we'll get to know him a little later. But Zerubbabel, the name Zerubbabel of the man that is going to help lead and go back and build the temple, Zerubbabel would have been his Jewish name. But the, the, uh, the Persians or the Babylonians and the Persians would have given him a name here, their, their uh, Babylonian name or the Persian name, Shes Bazar. Do you remember any other uh, time uh, in, in uh, Persia and in Scripture where someone was given a, a Babylonian name, a Chaldean name, and it kind of just, just so they could kind of, the, the Jewish name would kind of be in the background, kind of disappear. Anybody remember? Yes, very good. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those aren't their Jewish names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are the three Jewish names of those men. But they were given Babylonian names back then. And so it is. Here we believe that this is referring to Zerubbabel, okay? Just so we get, get a grasp of this name and then the name of, of uh, uh, Zerubbabel to come because he's called the Prince of Judah. And, and uh, Zerubbabel was of the tribe of Judah. Verse 9. Now this was their number. 30 gold dishes, 1,000 silver dishes, 29 duplicates, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls of a second kind, <laughs> and a thousand other articles. And the articles of gold and silver numbered 5,400. Shesh Bazar brought them all up with the exiles who went from Babylon to Jerusalem. Isn't it incredible that when Babylon came and conquered Judah and took them away into exile and destroyed the temple through Nebuchadnezzar, remember we read about it, that they took all the gold and silver out of the temple of God and it was heading off to Babylon. It survived 70 years later. Here it is. It was kept in the house of their gods. God was preserving it. His old, the, the old gold and silver utensils and things of the temple, God made sure that they were preserved for the time when his people would go back to the land. And here it is. And so what does Cyrus do? He goes in and says, give them back everything that belongs to their temple. And here it came and he gave it all. And they had those things to go back with as well as the funds for all the supplies. You see how what God did through King Cyrus, king of Persia, to accomplish his will. Dear friends, tonight I am continued to be given an opportunity. You, each one of you is given an opportunity 
tomorrow and until Jesus returns to to accomplish his will. And if we surrender to that will, if I surrender to that will, I know God will use me in some way. And you know what I'm beginning, I've had to realize more and more in my life that sometimes God's will includes suffering. We, we all know that. We've seen, we have read the book of Job. But can suffering be a big part of the plan God has for my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I might glorify God in a greater way through my affliction and my suffering than I would if everything was going great. And if I, my, and I had no health problems or anything else and my family was great and there were no... But then God allows these things to come in and to test us, first of all. But it's our faith through the fire that will bring the greatest glory to God and bring others to Christ and encourage the saints of God as we accept the suffering God has laid in our, in our lap and know that just like the, the Jews who went into exile, God said, seven years I'm coming to get you. And there may be sometime down the road that God will take you out of your fiery furnace. He might, he might not. You might have that problem until you get to heaven. But through it all, he wants to shine. And he wants his son, the image of his son, to be seen in you and me. Is there any greater calling than that? Is there any greater purpose than that? And to know that the living Christ lives within, inside me. And he wants to take this broken vessel. And he wants to use it for his glory. That others may see that in my weakness his strength is made Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for showing us, Lord, as we've begun this study, that you are the God of the universe and you are sovereign in control of all things. And you will accomplish your will just as you did with Israel. You will accomplish it in each one of our lives. Father, help us, Lord, to live in such a way that we recognize your sovereignty and that we know you have a plan for each one of our lives and that our desire might be to do your will and accomplish that which you desire us to do for you until we are called home. Encourage Hearts tonight, Lord, until we see Jesus face to face. And we will thank you, Lord, for what you do as we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.